Greetings and welcome to another exciting episode of Unversed Cast. I'm Michael. And I am Hey Dogs. <laughs> I forgot our order. Uh, King <laughs> And I am drinking a Red Bull. Now it you sounded like you were opening a carton of milk to me. Well, I, I yeah, sponsored by Red Bull. We are, we are much like JonTron, we are corporate sellouts. Whoa, alright. Yo, I, 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 I would suck Red Bull's dick. Just saying. Whoa. <laughs> Ryan sucks video games. Ryan sucks Red Bull. Mmm. Ryan, Ryan sucks. a good porn star name, Ryan. Oh Ryan man, you know it. a lot of cock. <laughs> Ryan suck cock. <laughs> Ryan suck yeah. cock. Okay, we're getting two NSFW right off the bat. That's not this, a good sign. This entire no, our our podcast is not safe for work. We read fan fiction on this podcast. It's not safe for work. What well, I feel like anything that's safe for work just disregards a whole like uh, a crowd of people, and that's not. Yeah. There's a lot of people yeah, who want. It's about hear being democratic. God damn it. King K, this time instead of using the SpongeBob in intro for the fanfic, can you find a clip of Michael saying Sonic is bad? Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, well, that just could put take it him on a while. Did my computer crash? Oh, no. Hold on. I mean, you're still. With I us. can still hear you. So Sorry. if you're using your computer to talk to us, then obviously no. Make sure Fuck. your audacity is still fine, though. My audacity is still. This is going. making it into the podcast, by the way. This, <laughs> this is great. This is almost as good as my shitty Paper Mario playthrough. XD, oh, subscribe to uh, Michelangelo on the YouTubes. <laughs> on the YouTube. Can I, uh... Make sure to leave a comment on my web zone. And also, be sure to check out my latest video, give it a retweet, give it a like, give it a comment, give it a reply, give it a, give it a share. Uh... Give it no. a lick. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Hadox. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got to start out with that. How could I forget? Welcome back, ladies and folks, to Uncle Mike's fanfic corner. Sonic is bad. Today, Hadox has once again uh, selected. Oh yeah, I've got to help out Dan here. Sonic is bad. And play that <laughs> in go. like uh, put the Attack on Titan music really loud with Sonic. <laughs> yes, <is bad. laughs> yes, do it, do it, do it. I'm gonna move that. my mic real quick. That song, find though. find like a kazoo version of it. We're not making then. money off of this, are we? Well, I I mean like in the bad kind of copyright, like. <sighs> oh no! I trust me, I've used it before. Put put a okay. kazoo this, this, version of this it. This looks. This, Dan, put up a uh, screen cap of this new fanfic we're reading here. Hey Barry, you put us yeah. make the screen shake. Oh Barry. <laughs> This Very, this looks uh, amazing. Burger, wow. Burger, and I apologize, wow. folks, but I did have to move my mic because 
I like to have it in front of me nowadays, but I had to move it up so I could actually oh, look at the. What am I looking at? Uh, the this show sucked, by the way. I don't know I how it was on yeah. for so long. Oh, I thought you were talking about on Versecast. Oh, no, 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 not our our content is yeah, much sucks, better. Guys. But on a related note, it does show how inaccurate iCarly was because uh, they made absolute horseshit and got popular immediately. Like We've been doing this for almost a year, and we only have like few hundred subs maybe it's a, it's a slow process yeah you know we have yeah. been doing this for almost a year now and i'm really happy about have that we've been doing it for a year almost a year yeah we started like january 25th like i think wow. that's when hmm. i think that's when michael uploaded the very first uh, sonic podcast on his channel like the pilot uh-huh it was somewhere in january and we, we were in talks about it for like, in like, I remember starting a talk with Hadox about it in December of 2015. Uh, yeah. Alright, uh, let's, let's get this shit show started. Oh gosh, can I do a Freddy voice? I'm not <laughs> sure if I can. Um, Freddy said as he checked the comments. That, that's that's my friend. Hey, cool! He says he's a long-time fan of iCarly! Carly said, looking <laughs> at the comment. Uh, yeah, but look who signed it! Freddy pointed at the words, Sonic the Hedgehog. No way! Carly said, check his iCarly profile! Freddy clicked on the link to his iCarly profile, and the first thing he saw was a photo of Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <A photo. laughs> Sam, get up here! Coming, Sam said. <laughs> Sam came up to the iCarly studio. What? Look who commented on iCarly. Carly said. Sam looked over at the profile. Fuck the hedgehog, no way. Ah, <laughs> uh, gosh, I can't keep track of this. Yeah way, Freddy said. Look at his comment. He pressed the back button and it took the screen back to the comment. Sam read, Hey, I'm a long-time fan of iCarly. It'd be awesome if me and my couple friends could be on the show. Answer back ASAP. Signed, Sonic the Hedgehog. You weren't kidding. Should we have him on iCarly? Carly asked. Uh, do you know how many more fans we'd get? Of course, Freddy said. <laughs> Carly wrote, Sure, Sonic. You can bring four friends. See you next week. She sent it. Uh, let's see trying to keep track of myself. Okay. At school, they continued to talk about having a hero on iCarly. This is gonna be so cool, Sam told Carly. Wonder who he's gonna bring, Carly said. Me too, Freddy added. I sure, I hope it's not anyone like Sam. Sam gave Freddy a shut up or you're dead look. Sam, be nice. <laughs> Carly gave Sam a look. Oh my god, I can't keep reading this. This is. Uh, I think this is the first the fan the fiction we've read that actually has made me cringe. Yeah, oh, it's. Oh, you're some Sonic iCarly smut. Oh, um. <laughs> who the fuck. Who, who is Kit? I. Kit's from the Fox? The Sonic Boom cartoon. Is it? They, yeah, I don't know. They brought in a character from. Okay, that's interesting. That means this is relatively new. Okay, so I'm looking at the bottom right now, and it says, So, how is it so far? I may not- I, I know it may not be the best beginning, but writing out the fight was pretty fun. So, read and review. I need OCs! 
this is how. Name, age, <laughs> gender, Sonic or iCarly, appearance, personality, bio. I'm going to fill out an, an iCarly OC and it's going to be of Dan. <laughs> Dan is going to be my base for my oh, iCarly ahead. OC. Guess what, Carly Shay? I've won. Is that her last name? Yeah. The, you know Neville, story. right? He's like the the annoying arch rival character. I mean, and he I has do, a really like to block out nasally voice. That show fucking sucked. I had if a, you grew up with it, you had a terrible childhood. I had a crush that I on, can the, tell on you. the actress who played Sam. I'm not. I'm not afraid to admit that. You Jeanette McCurdy. Mm -hmm. Naked online. Oh. <laughs> oh, I don't think I will. Trust me. I know. <laughs> Why do you know that, Haydox? I Carly porn. <laughs> Instead of I Carly, it's I horny. Oh. Yo, hold on. No. Is that an actual <laughs> porno. No, I Don't, think that's like you Okay, listen, up. not on the podcast. We're recording a <laughs> podcast right now. You have to keep ourselves on track. No porn until after the podcast. There's a lot of, like, why am I horny all the time? WebMD answers. Why would you ask a doctor that? <laughs> doctor. Well, maybe you have, maybe you're, like, so horny that... Oh, here, here's no, the uh, Your dick oh, is shriveled you, up from all the action. When you type horny, you get a picture of Jeanette McCurdy... Naked. <laughs> oh. This is. I feel like I have to go take a shower now. I feel so defiled, and nothing's even happened to me why in the, the grand fuck scheme are of things. Why there videos of iCarly? Like, why is there iCarly porn? This is an actual like market. What? Dude, this is real. <laughs> It's only real because you made it real, Hadox. Whoa. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. They said I'll never crazy. amount to anything. Boy, did I short? Did I show them wrong? There's a video called. Christ. All of them are titled "iCarly was fun." Like, all right. Well, maybe like it's just say. one video, and you're seeing it on multiple sites. I would. I would. Okay, I just want to say, I value each and every single one of you. I love all of you guys. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for bringing so much joy to my life. And it sounds like it's if I'm joking. I Carly Ryan, I I would hug you if if you were physically present. Would you hug him, brother? Hashtag #GameSphere hashtag Hey, brother. Because <laughs> Drake and Josh reference, Ryan. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Michael. Uh, I w what I want you to do for this episode of Unversed Cast, instead of having the usual Unversed Cast background, make it like uh, make it like I just Josh Nichols. What? Just Josh Nichols' face. I don't think we have his license, or I don't think we have his likeness licensed. No, no, you know what we should do? Instead of having like the the game icons on the on the checkerboard. We should get his spherical face and just put him on all the checkerboards. Oh God. <laughs> we'll if you can send me a raw, I can see what I can do. I will figure something out. I will make this work. Well, uh, that was an interesting discussion. <laughs> but uh, 
Yes, but it is not, indeed, it is not the topic of today's video. And, uh, hey docs, I believe, uh, today's- where you can go to audible.com slash unversedcast for unlimited audiobooks and movies. Check out, uh, our book, iCarly Porn, uh, for only $19.95. Yep. Uh, so, hey docs, um, I believe today's, uh, topic was your idea. Um, so why don't you walk us through what we're going to be doing today on the show? We're talking about 2016. We're going to be talking about whether or not David Bowie truly died. Uh, oh we're also going to be discussing whether or not Obama truly died. We're also going to be talking about whether democracy died. And we're also going to be talking about the rise of Vladimir Putin. Uh bless you <laughs> yes folks you heard it we're gonna be talking about 2016 a year in gaming we're gonna be talking about our favorite games and our least favorite games and uh i should disclose up front that while i did indeed play new releases this year um i didn't play that many Same. and i honestly don't remember which ones i played or not so i might have to pull up a uh I'm visualizing here. Did, did Uncharted 4 <laughs> come out this year or was that last year? Yes, Uncharted 4 did come out this year and I did play that. Okay. The worst game of all time! Whoa. Nah. You could trigger someone with words like that, my friend. Good. Good. Uh, for the record, I have not played it. I've only seen the cutscenes for the story. So just... Um, My guess is that. Uh, out of the th four of us, Haydox probably played the most games. Uh, maybe. I think that's probably true. So this will most Listen, likely be Haydox's episode. Kinkai played a lot of new games. Yeah, I'd yeah. say so, actually. Uh, I only say that, uh, Haydox, because you review modern games. Yeah. I guess I'm a modern gamer. <laughs> <laughs> he is a real uh, assume, gamer, Grill. Yeah. Yes. Let's uh, see. Uh, nah, I'm I just looking over some stuff. Game? Sure. Alright, my least favorite game of this entire year would probably be Mighty Number no. 9. Okay. That That is one I did not play, so y you'll have to go and... Mighty is the most boring piece of shit in the whole entire world. You can tell me that there's a lot of good elements in it, but that's just not true. Okay, so there's nothing good in it at all. No, not really. Well. I can't wait for the TV show and the breakfast cereal. <laughs> Are they still bothering to make that? I have no idea. What? Bothering to make what? The uh, the my, all the Mighty Number no. Nine expanded universe crap. I would doubt it, honestly. I think the game did uh, did bad, and uh, I think the the creator just sort of ran off with the money in a way. But what about Red Ash? You mean Red Ash? Oh gosh, <laughs> I le I love Mega Man Legends, but uh, if uh. If uh, Mighty Number no. Nine is any indication of what that company is capable of, uh, yeah. Well, I think it's being made by different companies. Just Keiji Inafune is in the forefront of it. Gotcha. 
I I don't know. I always think it's interesting. <clears throat> I I I don't know. I think the worst the worst game for me has to be like something that I just didn't enjoy playing at all. And Mighty Number no. Nine was kind of like that. Gotcha. Also, can can I just can I talk about like the 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 Mighty Number no. Nine apologists for a second? Uh-oh. Sure. Because that that bothers me a little bit. I mean, I'm you could call me a fan game apologist, and I guess that's true in some regard. I always uh, talk about how uh, fan games, while legally right to take them down, are always are uh, morally wrong to pursue them and keep shutting every single one down because it's not really yeah. necessary, right? I've made that argument yeah. so many times. And you could you could say that's something I uh, I really vouch for, much like people probably vouch for that Mighty Number no. Nine is actually an okay or uh, a decent game. But uh, the, there's always that trend of people who like to disagree with the popular opinion so much that they just can't see the other side of any argument. And I can see why people might like Mighty Number no. Nine. There's elements like in shooting the combo system if it like was more fleshed out it could be entertaining some of the music tracks are pretty good there's two songs one called trinity and one that's the staff roll remix that's pretty like that lasts a four rap. hours long huh like how the credits last four hours long yeah well yep. the credit song is actually a rap and it's really bad, but it's so bad, I just love it so much. Alright. You could make the the case that Mighty Number no. 9 isn't as bad as I say, but... I just, I don't find a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I know a lot of people disagree with me on that, and I don't know. Right. I mean, I'd, I'd add more but i didn't play mighty number no. nine so i avoided it like the plague i, I mean like i didn't i wasn't even trying to avoid it i was just like i just heard it wasn't very good and i wasn't really too interested in it at that point i i will say this people were right about it i said i tried to give the whole wait and see approach but i was wrong it, turned out to be just as bad as everybody said it would be. That's Yeah. Well, uh, so I am looking through a list of games that came out in 2016, and uh, I'm just, like, amazed at how much stuff I missed. Part of it's because I don't own... I didn't own a PS4 until recently. I, um, there was a Christmas gift for my sister, so now I have access to one, but... Nice. Uh, but... So that means that a Ratchet and Clank roar might happen, maybe, <sighs> if if I feel like it. That game... But it's just like, I'm looking and I'm seeing, like, Sonic Boom, Fire and Ice. I didn't play that. that was Azure Striker Gunvolt 2. I, I didn't play that. I didn't that play one. Color Did Splash. Play I played a, I, I played it. I Did unlocked Knuckles. It? I did not finish it because I think it's a little too boring. 
It's just if you're it, comparing Ari. If you're comparing Sonic Boom Fire and Ice to Sonic Boom Shattered Crystal, it's so much better. I haven't played Will Shattered Crystal, so I can't say. All right. The only thing I have against Shattered or Shattered Crystal, uh, Fire and Ice, is that I think there are a bit too many sections where, like, there there are way too many automated sections for a 2D Sonic game. Like, there are a lot of them. Well, I and can I understand that argument. But it's not really like a 2D Sonic game, right? Then what it's is it not supposed... a Sonic game. It's... Well, I'm not. I'm just saying, like in general, it's just like not even as a Sonic game, just as a as a fast-paced platformer. Period. It just it feels it feels too automated, and it's. I'm doing a whole lot of holding right. I'm doing a whole lot of jumping, but aside from that, it doesn't really feel very. Uh, what's the word? Interactive or in involving it just it's not a bad game by any stretch of the imagination it's just it's i don't think it's a particularly interesting game oh no i don't think it's anything to write home about but it's not a bad game no no not by any stretch of the imagination but just a little right sorry to interrupt uh, I don't even remember what I was. I, all I was talking about is like all these games I'm looking at. I didn't play. Oh, oh, you talked. You said something about Ratchet and Clank, right? Uh, yeah, that did come out this year, but I, I haven't played it. I would have to. I would really love to see a roar of that. Right. Although, although it's like it broke records for the series, I don't think like enough people in at least in the in my space that I've seen got around to playing it. And I have it, but I haven't played it yet. And this is the yeah. first Ratchet and Clank game that really I've ever well. owned. It sold really well. But it, it's not Yeah, my because it's something to play in PS4. Huh? Because it's something to play on PS4. Yeah, well the PS4 actually has a lot of games now. I mean, it does, but it's just like, it's still nothing I'm interested in playing. Like, um, King of Fighters 14, what the hell is that? Deus Ex, Mankind King, King Divided. King of Fighters is actually a really popular fighting series. It's like, yeah. it's, it's really I've, big. I've never series. heard of it before. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty big deal for the fighting game community. Like, the, yeah. is it Evo? Evo does the fighting games, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, ReCore. I, I don't know what that is. not on PS4. It's on Xbox. Was made oh, by it's Xbox Metro One. Developers. I have that game. Oh yeah, I remember that but from our E3 shit. episode. It's like a, a shittier Borderlands. Like, well, I don't have a lot of games that came out this year, but I do have a number of games that came out this year that I have not played. I have, I have Recore. I have Final Fantasy 15. I have World of Final Fantasy. I have fucking Titanfall 2, Ratchet and Clank, and a bunch of others I just have not gotten around to playing. I mean, like, in terms of games I bought that were new, I think Twilight Princess HD, Star Fox Zero, Kirby Plant Robot, oh, yeah, and then I got um, uh, Duke Nukem 20th Anniversary on Steam. And that, Steam. I think that was it. Idea, yeah, I got one just to play that. Oh, right. I think you added me. Yeah. You have the Hitler avatar, so... <laughs> Indeed. Well, I guess that's something we could talk about. We 
uh, Hitler what? avatar? Well, no, <laughs> I'm talking about Star Fox Zero. Oh, I don't want to I mean, talk about Star are... Fox Zero unless it's somebody's favorite game here. Ah, or worst. Um. Well, well. Let's put it this way: Hadox was not able to make our Star Fox episode, uh, and we had Nick on for that one. Yeah. Um. So if if you'd like to say your piece on Star Fox Zero, this is probably the best time you can do it a on the late, show. But you know, better now than or forever hold your peace. <laughs> yeah. Uh, As, I, I mean, I think Star Fox Guard is one of the worst games of 2016. <laughs> I forgot. I still have that in the wrapping too. Yeah, it makes me sick. It actually makes me sick to play. It's so claustrophobic and it's just not a fun time. Absolutely disgusting, believe me. Um, it's a disaster. No, it's a disaster. no. We're not doing See, this. <clears throat> no oranges. Star Fox Zero. It's called Trump Cast, okay? No. The, the worst part about Star Fox Zero is how much potential it could have... It's, it's lacking. There was. It's missing. Well, how much potential there was that it didn't yeah, fall yeah, through yeah, on, it. I think is what you mean. Yeah, that's what I want to say. And, uh... There, it could have been so much more than it was, and that's... That's the that's the big issue with the game. It mm. falls flat. It's, it's kind of like how The Force Awakens falls flat. In a way, how it treads on uh, the same ground as its predecessors, and it, it could be so much better if it didn't do that, and it, if it did something a bit more. I think it's a fine game, yeah. but it's just lacking a lot of polish and okay. elements. That's all I really want to uh, say. Alright, fair enough. A lot of my opinions still hold true. It's, it's 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 like Fire and Ice for me, where it's like it's not a bad game. It's just it's not one that I think is any that interesting. It, and we, I think a lot of it has to do with the whole nostalgia pandering, where yeah. we we because like that's we have Zelda doing it now. We have Mario doing it. Well, well that's Mario's the been only thing it. Nintendo has going for it. And right. I know, and that's that's what sucks. It's just that it's just let's see something new. Let's see something different. It's like you can argue that the controls were new, and yeah, you're they, right. They but, definitely were. But I'm just talking about like, you know, the game as a whole. You know, because it, it felt like Star Fox 64, but with motion controls. I don't like that. See, I think Nintendo. I think that's where the PS4 really shines. Like, uh, the PS4 had a lot of new, interesting IPs this year. Whereas Nintendo just dropped the ball entirely. If you look at Nintendo's releases for this year, they had a new Paper Mario game, a new Metroid game, uh, a new uh, oh, that's port right. of Mario Maker, uh, Mario. It wasn't Run. a new Mario Maker. It's just a port. Yeah, it's a port. Sorry. Uh, and like, it's it's all IPs you've seen before. There, there's really and the IPs they've shown don't tread new water at all. There's well, no, like, hang on, I I agree with you, kind of. You know, it's we've got the Pokemon's, we got the Mario's, we got all this other stuff, which is all you know, it's 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 the norm for Nintendo. Well, but hold I on. think I want to finish think... that thought because I know what okay, you're yeah, gonna yeah. say. Because I think Nintendo did a lot of that pandering where they didn't really do much of anything new 
or uh, really did anything new that was really, really good, except for like a couple games, like Kirby Planet Robobot was a really great game that was this year, right? Yes. Yes. That was a fantastic platformer, but Nintendo mm. didn't make that, right? Hal. Well, Hal Laboratory it. is part of Nintendo. Okay, yeah. true, true. But uh, th- that was good. Pokemon Sun and Moon was good, but that's the Pokemon game freak and not them. Yeah, but they're owned by Nintendo. Well, that's a bit complicated. The it's kind of it's kind of like how Rare is owned by by Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um. So, so I, I was just gonna say it's a that second party game or whatever. Yeah. I, I was just gonna say that you know we we've got the normal stuff from Nintendo like the Mars the Pokemon stuff like that, but it was remarkable this year how we were able to get a Star Fox game and a Metroid game, both IPs that haven't had games in a significantly long time. Star Fox 10 years, Metroid 5 years. But both games, whether you want, whether you like them, whether you dislike them, doesn't matter. Both games failed. And both games, they, they seemed dead on arrival. Metroid Federation Force especially. Wait, Whereas do you mean l- failed in a financial sense? Yes. Oh yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. No, and because they just they weren't the games that people wanted. You know, people wanted a new mm-hmm. Metroid game. People wanted a, a traditional Star Fox game. You know, that played like a traditional Star Fox game without the motion. Controls. Okay, so that's the thing about Star Fox Zero is that. For years, we had people complaining, make a game like Star Fox 64, make a game like Star Fox 64. We don't like this assault tone. We don't like this assault voice acting. Bring back the old voice acting. Bring back all of the shit. And then they did it, and people complained that they brought back all the shit. Okay, okay. And it's just like, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. No, 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 okay. So that argument, I've heard that argument so many times about so many properties and so many games. The reason, I'm pretty sure the reason that happens, unless there is, like, documented proof that there are people that contradict themselves on a regular basis, I'm pretty sure it's because the negative gets a lot more press than the positive. Yep. I'm pretty sure it's because the people that wanted all of that are now quiet because they're happy, and then it's flipped, and that the people who didn't want that are now upset. So I don't think there's any, like, hypocrisy going on there. I'm saying that that's what motivated their decision-making. I just wanted a game without the motion controls, honestly. Like, if that would have... If they still got the motion controls, it would have been a pretty okay... What they were going to do, originally, was they were going to make something more episodic. It was supposed to be, like, a bunch of different Star Fox adventures in space, and they'd all have their own little plots and levels and stuff, and... It was supposed to be. It was supposed to be modeled after Thunderbirds. That was the original plan. They revealed these plans during an E3 conference. I think when the game was announced, they got they got some very mixed press about it. They got cold feet and they decided, you know what? We'd rather do something a little more familiar because that's what the people seem to want. So that's what they did. Yeah. I guess when you put it like that, I would have. I I, I would take Star Fox Zero more than the episodic release. Well, I don't. I don't know if they were going to release it episodically, but the game was going to be organized that way. Oh. Oh. I mean, what I'm basically oh. saying though is that the people that wanted that got what they wanted. It's not like the people that wanted it suddenly. Yes, but did there's a one fan base, and they have to please it. 
and the fan base was overwhelmingly asking for one thing. Uh. Well, I don't even know if the iconography is... Because that's... I don't like that about it. But then again, I've never been the one asking for 64 to be back. Yeah, I, and I haven't been either. I think Star Fox Assault's tone and art direction is a million times better than Star Fox 64. Yeah. I think Star Fox 64 is one of the most overrated games ever made. And yeah, if, I, I, if it were up to me, Star Fox Zero would be its own thing and would not try to ape off the success of this older game that frankly gets way too much credit. Yeah, but I just think what alienated the game though, like, because I liked the motion controls, right? But I'm pretty sure that's the main factor. I think I believe it is, but it's like that's you, you'll notice that that's not what Hadox and Ryan were mainly bringing up. They were mainly talking about how this feels too safe and didn't take enough risks. Well, which I, I understand was just that. I'm talking about based on its success. Well, yes, based on its success, the motion controls do have a lot to do with no. it. I wouldn't even say it's that it's the inclusion of the motion controls, but rather the lack of an of a of an alternative. I that's the problem. I would disagree. I think the lack of success came from a shitty advertisement campaign. Oh, if, yeah. It also came down to the Wii U being a terrible console and, like, dead. It's never alive. It, there's no way a game could have been successful like Star Fox Zero on the Wii U. Well, but then you also gotta consider that, you know, Splatoon... Well, Mario Splatoon, Maker. here's the thing about Splatoon. A lot of Let's Players went out and, like, played it so much, and, like, also Splatoon came out during, like, the high point of the Wii U. Uh, the high point of the Wii U was in 2014, and ever since then, it's been steadily declining. And, um, Splatoon I think, Splatoon came out in like, 2014? Huh? I thought it was, Splatoon came out it was last like, year. When did Splatoon come out? Here, here's uh, if I if I had a Microsoft Excel open, Ryan, I could show you that uh, Splatoon came out in 2015. Yeah, May so, 28th, like, 2015. The height of the Wii U was in 2014 with like the Wind Waker HD, uh, Super Mario 3D World those type of things and then like i think splatoon was sort of the last the last little little blip in that whole system and then everything came crashing down once the nx was revealed yeah and i think that's what really killed the wii u there's uh, a lot of things that killed the wii u but yeah. i agree with you but you got one detail wrong uh when waker hd came out in 2015 September Shit. 20th. Shit. I'm just saying this so that no one in the comments says it. That's all. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. But Anyways, I thought you get, I, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I if I could defend Star Fox Zero. No. Because it's like a, all, a lot of these criticisms that people are making in terms of like we've seen this before. Da 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 da. I think applies to Star Fox 64 as well. Because you had the original, which I think is very underrated, personally. I wish more people would actually play it and give it a fair chance. It's it's still my favorite one of the whole bunch. Um, and that was like, told this one story. 
Then you had Star Fox 64 as the second one, and it told the same story. It's like, it would be like if after they made A New Hope, they released Force Awakens, like, directly after it. It's so redundant. We didn't need the same story twice in a row. I don't understand why with Star Fox 64 it's okay for them to do this. Because it makes more sense for them to do it with Zero, because we haven't had any games in the Star Fox series in years. People have kind of forgotten about it. We want to bring it back, and people are asking for this particular type of game, so we'll make it this way. And I think they did do a good job bringing some new elements in, like there was no Gigarilla in the original Star Fox 64. There were no teleporters in Star Fox 64. They changed Andross's backstory for Star Fox Zero. Like, a lot of the bosses were new. It was really just kind of the planets and just sort of the overarching get to Venom and kill Andross sort of component that was the same. Which is a big part of that original story, but they did try, I think, a little harder than people give them credit for. So there was all of that going on. I agree with you to an extent, but to defend Star Fox 64, I think the reason why a lot of people give it a pass in the sense where it's like it's the same game is because the the technical difference between the Super Nintendo Star Fox and the Star Fox 64 Star Fox is is night and day because there's not a lot of detail in the environments and in all that you know, and all the the space battles well, and all that kind of stuff. Well, I think the, Star Fox 64 do, is a... We're gonna... We should bring the Star Fox discussion to a close. We probably I should. Because but I'm, remember, I'm just saying... I, about Star Fox. I think Star Fox 64 is... Even, even for the time it was released, is a pretty ugly looking game, in my opinion. I, There's so Michael. much tiling textures and gray and brown. There's... Very little color. The car the character models look terrible. The ships yeah, look okay. okay. Those look fine. Some of the backgrounds look fine, but most of the assets aren't well drawn at all for Nintendo 64 standards. I feel I feel like you should make a detailed review of Star Fox Zero, Michael. Well, I was going to, but I made that Let's Play, which all of you lovely folks got to participate in. <laughs> and uh, after that point, I was just like, you know, I need to finish Klonoa. I got a. There was. I'd had so many plans for the summer that didn't pan out, so I ended up skipping out on a review of Zero. But in all honesty, I should probably. I probably should do that anyway because when no, I no, like. No, when no. I, I'm saying you should do. You should do like a, a comparison, like Star Fox Zero versus Star Fox 64. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I think you'd bring some insight to the table. I. I think what made Zero work for me was when I sat down to play the game, the controls just worked for me, like immediately, without with very little adjustment. I mean, like maybe the the walker took a little bit of getting used to, but that didn't take that long at all. Like everything felt like it was mapped to the right places. Aiming and shooting was like perfect for me. There, I mean, like I know that Ryan you has said in multiple occasions that he has shaking hands and that using the gamepad to aim was uh, challenging for him and didn't really work for him. That's correct, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, but for me, that wasn't a problem I had, and I think part of it's because I've been playing, like, the Metroid Prime Wii versions. Like, I, the first first-person shooter I ever really played was Metroid Prime 3, and that had, you know, motion controls. It took me a while to get into them, but once I did, it was, like, something that just 
you know, I could I can easily jump right back into. And with Star Fox 60, Star Fox Zero was kind of the same thing. I sat down and played that little training sequence and like almost immediately aiming and shooting just clicked with me. There was never a problem with the motion controls for me whatsoever. And I found it so much fun to aim and shoot at things that way. And if I can give Star Fox 64 credit for one thing over the original, the it did sort of flesh out more of those arcade elements in terms of, you know, racking up scores, getting score, you know, combos and bonuses and what have you. Like, the in the original SNES game, it didn't even save the scores because there was no battery for it. Um, and so they brought that back in, and it was so much fun to have both the motion controls to aim with, and the way that you fought bosses was different because you had, like, the uh, target view to focus on annoying, fast-flying things like uh, Wolf, Wolf, Star Wolf. Because in Star Fox 64, Star Wolf is such a pain in the ass to fight because you can never see where they are, they move way too fast, you take too much damage. It's just not a very balanced, fun fight at all, in my opinion. But in Star, Star Fox Zero, because you have the target view, it's much easier to keep track of where they are and actually fight them. Then you have, like, uh, bigger bosses like the Attack Carrier. Uh, which they added a bunch of new stuff to. So, like, even though they brought back a boss, they made it actually very different. So, I, I, I mean, really, I, could, I would agree with you guys that the game was too short. I would have liked more new stuff. I would have liked it if there wasn't so much Star Fox 64 nostalgia pandering, because, frankly, it bothers me, too. It's just, just not enough to ruin the game for me. I, it, it needed just more, because it took, like, years for this game to come out. And, yeah. you know, presumably it was because they were trying to work out the kinks with the motion control so that they would work better for more people. But for a game that took like three years to develop, it's it's like you can it beat feel it, like it in three hours. And I know it's a Star Fox game, but even with Star Fox on SNES, it felt like there was more mileage to it. Like, there were three different routes you could take. Each had their own semi-final boss. Each had their own planets to go to, with some shared ones. There was there was new stuff to discover on each of those routes, and it felt like a bigger game. Then you go to Star Fox Zero, and there are only, like, two optional paths that I can think of. I mean, like, there are more than that, but there are only a couple optional planets. Like, you can, you can skip the desert planet, and you can skip Fortuna. I think that's it. I think those are the only optional levels that you would you can go for on subsequent playthroughs. There are other bosses to go to and stuff like that, but it's really... There was not enough there. There are problems with Star Fox Zero. It could have been more than it is, but I was satisfied with what I got because I just enjoyed... I think I enjoyed the idea of it more and how much fun it was to play than I did the execution, if that makes any sense. I would love to see a game that could take that sort of control scheme, bring it back, but flesh it out more. But seeing, considering the reception it got, I don't think that's ever going to happen, and that kind of disappoints me. But, you know. Alright, that's my piece on Star Fox Zero. <laughs> so, if, if you fellows don't have anything else to say, we can move on to other uh, pastures, so to speak. What about you, Dan? Do you have a favorite or least favorite game that released in 2016? <laughs> is it Dark Souls 3? Dark Souls 3 is actually probably not my favorite. Oh. Uh, not to say it's bad. Oh. I'd say, like, 
I had three games that I would love from this year, that would be on it, of course, because uh, Dark Souls 3 was a pretty amazing game. In some ways, I like it more than the original Dark Souls. I mean, in some ways, I don't, but it's this endless back-and-forth debate. I don't think I'll ever be able to pick between the two, but Dark Souls 3 managed to adopt the fast-paced style of Bloodborne, but make it feel like it fits in the Dark Souls universe, because the original had a much slower pace to make it feel a bit more oppressive, and, you know, I like that for that game. But I also think the faster pace of Bloodborne is much more interesting to play, and so having that in Dark Souls 3, I'm like, wow. Because, I mean, I guess it does lower the, the amount of options that you might have, because... I do notice that I tend to roll through attacks all the time in that game. I know I never use my shield anymore because I feel like that's the optimal way optimal way for me to play Dark Souls mm -hmm. to just not use my shield and brute force everything. But uh, I don't know. I could see that argument, but I think I the world is great. I think the uh, the bosses are all they're. They're good, but the difficulty curve on them is kind of imbalanced. Yes, yes I agree with that. Um, but I do think that the levels themselves have a good difficulty curve. Like, the bosses are kind of like... Because you go from, like, uh, Eodex Gunder, who's pretty nice first boss, honestly. I think he's a very good introduction. And then you go to, like, the tree wood... I can't even remember his name. Goddamn, it's been a while. Uh the tree thing, the giant tree, and he's really easy. Like, with a cool gimmick, but, like, that's sort of the trend with the bosses in the game. I won't go through everything, because it's going to take, like, five hours, but, like, it's... There's sort of, like, this trend until you get to the end of the game where the bosses are kind of hit or miss, but I think that has a great Wait, atmosphere. I don't think what, it rivals the first game. What specifically hit, hit or miss? Um, so, hit... Like, a miss, I'd say, the tree one that I really can't remember the name of, like, Treewood Boglin or something. I don't know why right. I can't. You know the tree? Did you play Dark Souls 3, yeah. Adox? You yeah. know that giant tree? Yes. It's really easy. Yeah, it <laughs> That's is. That was my issue with it. Like, it had a cool gimmick, I guess, but it, it was just too easy. And, um, so the others would be, um... I, I may need to pull up a boss list. I haven't played it since it came out in... Uh, whenever it came out. When did it did come out? Did you like the final boss? The final boss was cool. That's that's something I, I don't understand about criticism of this game, is that people didn't like the final boss. Because they say I'm it's like a rehash. They say it's like a rehash of the final boss from Dark Souls 1, right? Gwyn, well, that's of. that's the point, though, because it's a call- yeah. one, it's a callback to Gwyn. Half of the fight is a callback to Gwyn, which is really well, cool, because the remix is theme. Lord of Cinder too? Gwyn? Gwyn, yeah. Yeah, he is- well, he was the first. Well, not really the first, but he was the- he was the first, um, person to link the flame who right. decided to basically just, uh... What he decided to do was stay there instead of what most people do, which is link the flame and pass on. Um, that's a lot of Dark Souls lore. I don't want to get into that, but... Uh, I like the final boss because people get caught up with the idea that, oh, Gwyn is here. Wow. Nostalgia pandering. And there is a lot in the game that's 
Dark Souls 1 references, which kind of feels weird for the third game in a series, but I liked them because I recently got into them, so I, I like them, and people don't understand that only half of the final boss fight is Gwyn-related, and the first half is more symbolic because it the, the first half is just a humanoid boss that can switch to different types of attack patterns and he basically switches between builds that you yourself can play in the game. He even does the exact same spells and the exact same animations that you can do with weapons. So what he represents is every character, every player of Dark Souls that is linked to the flame. Right. So right. I'm like, that's that. If that's a like, if you're gonna end a series, and Dark Souls is probably not over, which is <laughs> kind of no. saddening based on how cool the conclusion is. But if you're gonna end a series, make that the final boss. Like that's epic. That's awesome. I believe. What, what's his name? Miyazaki? Yeah, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Yeah, he said that that was the last Dark Souls game. Well, so we might get like that, more Bloodborne or more Demon Souls or some shit. That's the thing though, he doesn't own Dark Souls, he just directs it. Um, well, well, maybe so he, he means basically, like... he could be saying that that's the last one that he directs, yeah. but I can assure you that Namco Bandai are going to keep making them. Because I think they'll keep making Souls-like games like Bloodborne and Demon Souls, but I think that's the last for Dark Souls. Yeah, and maybe we might get another game with Souls in it. Well, like, well, well like... okay, because here's the issue with that, is that they don't need Miyazaki to make a Souls game, because Dark Souls 2 is evident of that. They don't need Miyazaki, because they were making Dark Souls 2 at the same time they were making Bloodborne. So they could totally make a Dark Souls 4, with the team that worked on Dark Souls 2. Well, I wouldn't particularly be happy that... about that, but I mean, they could do that while Miyazaki works on like a spiritual successor to Bloodborne maybe, or just Bloodborne 2, or just whatever he wants to work on. I'm, I'm Meanwhile, we're certain. never gonna get a Lunatea's Veil remake. <laughs> that saddens me. Although the movie, the movie gives me hope. The movie, movie gives me hope. yeah. I mean, you can, I, I joke about Namco Bandai not, uh, doing well with Glenoa, but y you gotta give them credit. They've been persistent for a very long time. Yeah. With trying every once in a while, so... You know, let's see. They, alright, so they... They they explicitly said that Dark Souls is over, and they're going to develop a new franchise. In the well, who said that? From Software. Okay. Because I, I believe in an interview he said, I'm really, I'm a big Souls fan, as, as, as I think you I mean, know. you do have to keep in mind, though, that FromSoft doesn't own Souls either. They I think what Dan it. is saying is that if the publisher wants to make a Dark Souls 4, there's going to be a Dark Souls 4. Yeah, but they, they have said that the, I don't think... If they if they all say that Dark Souls 3 is the final chapter in the Dark Souls franchise, I don't think the publisher would go back on that. Well, well has the, I what think I'm the publisher is, has can the, do whatever they want. Yeah, has the, the publisher. publisher said that, though? Or is it just yeah. the developers? Hold on. Because the publisher can do whatever it wants to do. Which is why Nintendo <clears throat> is such a dick about copyright. Yeah. Well... He, he says, 
Miyazaki had announced that Dark Souls 3 would be the final game in the series, so fans would have to come to terms. And they're going to make a new IP in 2017. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that they could make a 4 without FromSoft or Miyazaki. Alright, I guess that's true. But wasn't Dark Souls 2 developed by From? It technically was, but it's sort of like a... It's a situation where it wasn't technically the same dev team, because yeah, most of the dev team was working on Bloodborne. Yes. So it was sort of like they split their their team and worked on separate projects at the same time. Still, I think I think it'd be cool if they went in another direction, like maybe in a futuristic Souls game or something. Well, With I'm machine not saying guns. that I even want a Dark Souls 4, because I really don't, but I mean, the possibility is always going to be there, because Dark Souls is one of Namco Bandai's most successful properties. Yeah. So, like, the idea that they would end it at 3 is like... I don't know. I, I, like, I'm really cynical about publishers, and I just can't believe that they would be like, this is the end, even though it is a fitting conclusion. But I would love to see what Miyazaki would do next. Like, a, Maybe not even just Souls. Maybe just strip yourself away from that like format and like, make something else that's inspired by it. I don't want I don't want Miyazaki or FromSoft to get shackled to the exact same formula. If I could say some things about Dark Souls 3, if you don't mind, because I have I have sampled it, and uh, you know just a heads up for everybody in, in, who's watching this, I am a Dark Souls newbie. I am starting to get into the Dark Souls series. Um, I like it. I think it's pretty good so far, because uh, I I have not played through Dark Souls 3, so take whatever it is I'm going to say with a grain of salt. Um, I do like how it's a bit more fast-paced. I like that a lot. I like how I like how the Estus system is, is uh, implemented here. I think it's a lot better than in Dark Souls 1. Uh, but I'm not a fan of how you have to level up your stats by going to the Fire Keeper person firelink shrine yeah yeah like i'm not i'm not a fan of that and it really felt as if it may again maybe i'm just not far enough in the game but i also kind of had this problem with the first dark souls where you know i'm leveling up all of my stats i'm getting all of this new armor i'm getting all these new weapons and all my numbers are getting pretty high which is a-okay in my book but it doesn't feel like as if it's really contributing to anything because you still die so ridiculously easy and I get that you know that's part of the appeal but then to me it kind of feels oh well then what's the point of grinding what's the point of equipping all this all this great gear if it doesn't really do anything you know that's just my problem that I have with it, is that it, it feels it feels mostly cosmetic than practical um, and I'm expected to be proven wrong either by Dan or Haydox or uh, or by somebody in the comment section, that's A-OK. Well, um, but the other thing I, I don't really like about Dark Souls... I off. What happened? Is Ryan, that, where'd you go? You know, it is faster paced, and I do like Ryan! it. Ryan! At the same time, I, I do feel as if the bosses and, and some of like, the bigger enemies... It oh, there feels he like as if they're, they're... He came back. What happened? You dropped Did you? for I a just, moment there. 
Oh, <laughs> what the fuck? We're, we're using Discord now, everyone, so yeah. uh, it's still working out the kinks. It's been working better than... It sounds better than Skype so far. Yeah. And it's anyway. probably just an internet thing. Skype. I was wondering why it was so quiet. <laughs> it's probably just an internet thing. Probably. Yeah. I mean, I have oh, everything please I was continue. saying... I have everything I was saying, like, on, like, recording, but... Yeah, like, it dropped off around the part where he said, I expect to be proven wrong. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I expect to be proven wrong by, you know, about all that kind of shit. But another thing I don't like is that, um... I like how it's faster paced, but it also feels as if, like, some of the larger enemies and the bosses... They feel as if they're just a bit too fast, but yeah, I still feel like as if I'm controlling, like... In, like how you do in Dark Souls 1, where you still feel a bit slower, a bit heavier, but the but the, the bosses are just, like, ridiculously fast, and it's harder, like, it, they don't really telegraph their attacks all that well. And I feel like as if I'm constantly at a handicap whenever I'm fighting against these bosses, because they can go so quick, and whenever they attack, there's, like, all these, all these really nice-looking uh, particle effects, and yeah, it looks pretty, but I can't see what I'm doing. Uh, and also the camera gave me a lot of shit in this game, too. Maybe it's just me, but the camera gave me a hard time. Uh, but again, I'm still pretty early on. Um, so, uh, the dogs are barking. I don't know if you can hear that. I, I could barely hear it. Go. Okay. Keep going. Um, but uh, if I'm expected to be proven wrong or, you know, to be told off by people, and that's that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's just, that's just I mean, my like, first impression. I mean, like, no one's wrong. Like, you can't have a wrong opinion, like... Well, it's not that it's a wrong opinion, it's just that, like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, you say that this, this, and this, but it actually, you know, if you get further into the game, you realize that it's, that there's something else to it, you know, that, that there's something that I'm missing. It's not really my opinion, it's just an, an, an impression, you know what I mean? I mean, I'd say that, uh, it's, it's pretty hard to get into Souls. That's why the, the fan base is almost cult-like, because... It's hard to get into it, but when you do, it really clicks. Like, I can attest, like, I first played Dark Souls a long time ago, and I didn't like it very much. And then I went back, uh, when I was, like, a few years later, I went back to... Well, I didn't really go back to Dark Souls, I went back to Bloodborne, because that's the first one I played all the way through. Because uh, something about Bloodborne, eventually I got to a point where I was like, I understand this game on a level that I've never understood a game before. And I felt that way with, like, every game. Even 2. Like, I don't think 2 is very well designed, but I, it still clicked with me in some of the same ways. So, I can... I can understand, but I can also understand that maybe people will just never like that series. They'll never get into it. So, I mean... I don't know. Like, because I... I'll say real quick that uh, I think the Estes system is worse than it was. Dark's not, the Estes system has never come close to how good it was in Dark Souls 1. I think the way it was... That they, I liked it better in Dark Souls 3. Well, I, the way they paced Estes in Dark Souls 1 is that you always had enough. Because they, they restrict it... Like, there are even some issues with it in Dark Souls 1 when you start kindling up to, like, 20. Which kind of break the game and make it a really easy but um the the limit that you had from like five to ten if you kindled was perfect because especially five because five i noticed since the bonfires are placed so well like that you'll like you'll always find a bonfire i find when you're 
basically out of Estus and you're like on your last legs and then you finally find a bonfire and there's this big sense of relief. And no. you always, it always feels like the Estus, there's always enough there for you to make it through. And most of the time, if you can't, if you don't have enough Estus to make it through, it's because you fucked up somewhere. That's how, and there are, I will admit, because I don't like the last ladder quarter, I'd say, not really half, because in reality, the objectives are like the latter half of the game, but like in game time, it's more like the latter quarter of the first Dark Souls is not too well designed. So that's when it sort of falls apart, because then you can kindle up to like 20, but before then, I think that it's it's a good balance. So. Well, how how do you get more of the um like you you get you kindle the Estus Flex by offering up the humanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, I just I don't know. To me, it just it because like to me it makes sense more in Dark Souls Three, where it's like you're going around, you're exploring, and you find these things called like an Estus shard. It's like oh. What is this? You take it to the the blacksmith, and then you go get it fixed, and then bam, it's it's an Estus flask now. Like that makes more sense than offering up humanity, which to me, it seems like as if the, like you know again first impression, it seems like as if humanity and Estus flask they're unrelated. So I I never thought to put them together in a way that worked <coughs> until like later on in the game. So it wasn't. It might have been clear to other people, it just wasn't clear to me. I agree, though. I would agree that Estus shards are... It's more apparent that that would uh, make an Estus flask. Like, yeah. I understand that. And it's really it's easy to figure out what you're supposed to do with an Estus shard. But I feel like once you get enough of them, it breaks the pace of the game a bit. Plus, the bonfire placement in Dark Souls 3 is not as good as the original. So, in those sorts of ways, I think it breaks the healing system a bit to make it a tiny bit more easy. More easy. Easier. But then again, uh, you have to actually find the Estus flat or the Estus shards. Like if if true, if but I don't mistake, think they're that hard to find. To be honest, there are a few that hard, are tricky. They're not but that hard to find, but you still have to go out of your way to get them. You know, some here, people here's my them. thing: is that I tried Dark Souls one uh, during the summer, and I it was basically like information overload. <laughs> what does this do? What does that do? Where am I going? Why am I dying so many times? I don't know what's going on. I couldn't I couldn't make it through the undead berg. And yeah. yeah, it's probably my fault, but I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. It, Eric keeps telling me, don't wear armor. Armor is worthless. Then why is armor in the game? How would anyone know to do that? Armor isn't worthless. Yeah, that that's actually not like... <laughs> well, he said it makes you so he heavy says, that you can't dodge anything. The reason he says armor is worthless is because... His playstyle probably revolves around not wearing armor so that he's lighter on his feet. So that even though he takes more damage, he can dodge attacks easier. But if you wear a lot of armor, then you're going to tank hits easier. You're not as mobile, but like, if you wear a lot of armor and use a shield, you can tank hits a lot easier. So like, that's down See, to playstyle. See, but I don't, I disagree. Like, I, I can't even tell the difference between if I'm buck-ass naked and if I'm wearing a full thing of armor. Uh, have you ever tried rolling with... A shit ton of armor. Well, yeah, versus... rolling with armor is different, but I'm saying, like, if, if you get hit, you know, with when you're naked and then you get hit when you're armor, you still take, or at least from what I've seen, you still, like, take a lot of the same damage. Like, you still feel it, you know? So well, it's yeah, just, like, the armor feel to it, me feels like, kind of worthless. If you're not wearing armor, you, they're gonna, like, two shot you about. But if they two wearing... shot me when I'm wearing armor, too. I do not agree with that. Like, I think that they're. I don't agree with that. 
I don't know. But what, like, I, like I'm still early on in the game, so maybe the armor that I'm getting is just not that good. I think what I was saying though is that what Dan was saying, he played Dark Souls, he didn't get into it at first, is very much what happened to me because the game's not very accessible at all. Yeah. There's a lot of weird little bits and pieces you just kind of have to learn. And the game, like, it does a good job in the opening se section teaching you what all the buttons do and some of the stuff like that, but I still don't know what humanity is. I still don't know what the difference is between being a soul or whatever and being a human because the game doesn't explain it. I don't know how... Like, I kind of figured out that you could offer humanity from our Estus, but I was still kind of confused about it. I don't know what kindling is. I don't know what all this stuff is. And meanwhile, I'm getting my ass kicked because I don't know what I'm doing and the game's not really explaining it very well. The game does explain it, though. They kind Actually, of do, okay, but they sort I of would, gloss I over it so quickly. 100% agree with Michael here that it's... It's honestly not a very... It's one of the least accessible games out there because it... I think it intentionally leaves you in the dark a lot, which some people will find frustrating ah. and some people will like. And I think that Dark Souls is sort of just a flavor that you will either like or you will not like. And that it, it's... There's very little in between there. Like, either you're going to like the fact that it leaves you in the dark a lot, and that you have to figure things out on your own, or you're just not going to like it. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't also, think that's bad, because, I mean, I, I kind of prefer stuff like that, because it's not trying to appeal to a wide audience. It's trying to, like, find the niche that it wants to appeal to, that it's designing the game for, and going from there. Also, guys, this is off-topic, but I've got to get going at 6. Okay. Alright, you got some time, then. Yeah. I still uh, and that's probably when we should be wrapping up, anyway. Ah! Because uh, that'd be about an hour and a half. But we got so many things oh, to talk about. Oh, 6 EST, I mean. Yeah, I know, that's in like 20 minutes. Yeah. So, um... If, if... If I can say what my... Probably my favorite game is this year. Before I forget. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. It's probably a game, and I don't want to sound like a hipster, but it's probably a game you guys haven't played. But it's a little RPG on the 3DS. It's called 7th Dragon 3 Code VDF. And it's pretty fun. I what gotta say. Fucking nerd. <laughs> JRPG. <laughs> oh. But, I'm just kidding, but Pokemon is a JRPG. Ryan, Pokemon's not an RPG. It's different. Oh. <laughs> Pokemon's a way of life. Yeah. But no, uh, 7th like Dragon 3 is a lot of fun. It's not the most fleshed out RPG I've ever played, but it is a lot of fun. There's a lot of replay value because you get to choose from a lot of characters and each character, like, and I mean like a lot, like there are a lot of characters starting out that you can choose from. And each one has like their own, like, the, it's like, each character has, like, their own class, and there are, like, several classes, and there's always, like, two. So you have, like, let's say, two monks, you have two uh, warriors, two thieves, black mages, or whatever, and you can choose between, like, a male-female version of those, and each one of those will have, like, different abilities that they can use. And then later on in the game, you get to add even more characters to your party. You can choose more characters from those uh, from those classes. You can just have, like, a bunch of characters, a bunch of, you know, and there's, like, you have a bunch of different play styles, uh... 
mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun and it's it's i think it's very accessible uh the music is really damn good very it's like techno j-pop rock and it's <laughs> it's 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 really good stuff like i recommend listening to the soundtrack if you can i really like it so um, i watched this anime called free this year oh, and, oh yeah you and, would <laughs> yeah because i i wanted the fan service um but what i found was uh, an anime with the surprising amount of effort put into it for what it was for what it really is okay. but every time we we would watch an episode ethan made me watch the minute and a half long intro and it's just like j-pop is like so long-winded to me like do we really need an hour and a half or a minute and a half long intro for every single episode oh that's just a problem with animes period i i know yeah. Which I, is, I disagree. I only brought it up because you. you brought up no. J-pop, but we're gonna fight. You know. I don't. Uh, I don't want to watch a minute. And I mean, like, part of it's because Ethan made me watch it, but you know, it just seems like unnecessary. You could do it in thirty seconds and convey the same information. Uh, but anyways, uh, but yeah, I really like this game. Uh, the only problem that I have with it is that the localization isn't that good i mean like it's it's fine but they try really hard to seem cool so they do a lot of inappropriate cursing and i don't mean like like they don't say oh damn this thing happened no like they they like it's like ah damn it this damn thing and the damn 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 and the bitch 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 shithead shit shit shitty shit and it comes off as immature and really, it's only, like, one character that does that, so it doesn't bother me too much. Just that when it happens, I take notice because it's it stands out, and it's very childish, in my opinion. But aside from that, I can't complain about much else. The game is a lot of fun, a lot of customization options. Um, get, like, this, this area. It's like a building, and, like, as you progress, you get more places to explore in the building, and... You get more quests and everything. It's just, it's a really fun, a really solid JRPG. And if, if you guys aren't too big into JRPGs, it's one that I could say, uh, that I can safely recommend. That is also if you're into anime, because there's like a lot of anime tropes in there as well. So if you're not interested in anime, then I would recommend, I wouldn't recommend it as your first RPG, but I'd still say play it down, like play it later down the road. It's really solid, really accessible, and it's a lot of fun, great music. It's an okay story, but likable characters and all that jazz. So, that would probably be my personal favorite game of 2016. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Another Chaos Emerald. This is like taking candy from a baby, which is fine by me. Hey! I also really... I also really, <laughs> I also really liked Overwatch. If yeah, I had to pick uh, a game of the year, actually, let's be real here. I have been fighting the last couple days. I have to make this end of the year video and I can't because I can't decide what I like more. Do I like Final Fantasy 15 more or do I like Overwatch more? And I am stumped, honestly, because I like them both a lot. Final Fantasy 15 is by far the more flawed, but there's something about it that like, it's like a Dark Souls situation for me. There's like, the high points are just so, cool to me but i don't know and then overwatch i've played like a hundred hundred plus hours of and i still play it last night i was playing overwatch till eight in the morning and i fell asleep like i i don't know like i really don't know what to pick from 
it's it, it's annoying me. I, I would say Overwatch is a close second for me, and that is a game that completely took me by surprise. Because like I saw the trailers for it, and I saw everyone ranting and raving about it, and I saw what it was, and it looked a lot like Team Fortress 2. And I'm like, well, I didn't really care much for Team Fortress 2, so I'll, I'll pass. Let the fan base have its fun. And then I saw it on sale at Black Friday. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And I, I popped it in, and I could not stop playing it. And I don't know what it is, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I think that's what works about it. It's just that there's no story, no complicated fucking gameplay mechanics that make no sense. It's just a game where its focus is on fun. And if you want to know more about the story and all that kind of stuff, you know, you can find it in other places, but that's not what the game is about. The game is about having fun. I think fun, on like in a contrast from Dark Souls, Overwatch is a very accessible game. Like It is very accessible. You can get it into it so of- easily. Quick. Because th- what's your Overwatch main? My uh, Hanzo, piece Hanzo. of garbage, aka. Hey which is what the community thinks. <laughs> hey Docs, what's your Overwatch main? Do you play Overwatch? Uh, usually, I don't know. Uh, Junkrat maybe. I don't know. Junkrat was like, my old main before Hanzo came along. I like Widowmaker. She's fun. She has a grappling hook. True. Yeah, Overwatch is just. I mean, what you're getting is, I mean, let's let's be real here. What you're getting is a multiplayer shooter, because there's no single player there. Um, yeah, so that means I'm probably never going to play it, because I don't care about that. Well, yeah. you know, because I, I came into the game thinking the same thing, because I like my single player content. But, I mean, I don't know. I just, I played it, and I didn't even think, oh, well, this game needs a single player campaign. It just, yeah. It, yeah. I didn't it's think just, about it. I, I... For me, gaming is something I do by myself. It just always is for me. It's just always been that way. Mm. I will sometimes play like Mario Kart with my siblings or play a round of Mario Party with my friends or something, but it's just, it's not something I would dedicate most of my time to. When there's a multiplayer mode, like I'm sure you've even noticed in my reviews, I don't really cover multiplayer stuff all that often because I just, frankly don't care about it so if that's the entire sort of crux of the game and i'm believe me i'm not saying overwatch is bad or anything i'm just saying it's just not something that appeals to me so i'm probably not going to play it is all i'm saying but if that's if that's going to be sort of the main crux the main appeal of the game then it's just something i'm frankly not interested in well you see because i have that same problem with the most recent smash brothers game where it's just like a lot of the focus is on the multiplayer and there's not really a lot to do in terms mm. of the single player stuff, you know, like you can collect all this junk that doesn't really amount to anything in the end, but you know, there really just isn't a lot of stuff to do by yourself. But in Overwatch, for some reason, why it just it doesn't bother me because it. Yeah, just, I went into it like I just, I'm I never get into multiplayer stuff that often. Like sometimes I do, but I'm I've never been that person to be like play this multiplayer like I've never been like oh I'm gonna go play the COD multiplayer or some shit I don't know that's never really been me and for some reason I don't know what it is about Overwatch it's just like it drew me into the characters because they're they're so easy to pick up they're harder to master obviously but like you can just pick up every character so easily and you you find your favorites in there and even even though I have my favorites Every character to me is fun to play, at the very least. Even if I don't like to play Tracer all that often, 
I, she's still like a fun character. And no, it's not because she's gay. I just don't like playing her, okay? Hmm. Don't want to like get attacked her. on the internet. Oh boy. Oh, damn, it's a homophobe! No. Um, but you know what? I, what else I think it is? It's just that it's upfront with what it is. It's just like, hey, this is a multiplayer game. There's no no fluff, no fucking. There's nothing else to it. Just go in, have fun. Which is why I also think, uh, I believe even you said, Dan, that this game was not full price when it launched. See, here's the complicated thing. It's, um, for whatever reason, on consoles, it's 60. And there's, like, no way to get around that for some reason. But on PC, you can choose between 40, 60, and 80. And the 60 and 80 only give you, uh, exclusive like skins and shit that I don't really care about so you can buy basically the base game is just 40 bucks on PC yeah which is a very good price for that kind of game and on but top I mean of that, I also believe the, the amount of time too. that I've gotten out of overwatch would warrant $60 anyway because I don't believe in the idea that just because there's no single-player mode that because there's an idea that um, Single player is objectively better than multiplayer, which I don't think is true. It's just a preference thing. Like, because yeah. think about it, we've had games that have only been single player content for the longest time, but people are against games at full price that have only multiplayer content. And I think the 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 only way I'd argue against that is if it didn't have enough content to keep you around. Because then it just evolves into a preference thing, like, do you like playing this multiplayer game? Like, does it keep you coming back? If not, then it's the same as, I don't like this single-player game. So, I don't know, I think that multi multiplayer-only games are worth the $60 just as much as single-player games are. Though, mm -hmm. I will say that the only complaint that I have with it is that, uh, I'm not a fan how not every character has a sprint button. And I know that could probably break a lot of characters, but it's just I played a lot of first-person shooters like Call of Duty and Battlefield and even the recent Halos where, you know, having a sprint button is just the basic thing to have. It's just, and I notice it when, you know, you're, you're guiding your, your, your objective to the goal and then you get killed and then you're spawned all the way back to your, um, your spawn point, which is like really far away and you have to, you have to, it feels like as if you're just walking there, but it's just like, I, I need to be running, I need to be going, I need to go, 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 go. So that kind of frustrates me a little bit. Uh, and I also don't like how you can't really choose what kind of game mode you'd want to play. Like with, with Halo Reach, for example, like when you're in a, multi when a multiplayer lobby, you know, you can choose between like, let's say, uh, capture the flag, griff ball, team deathmatch. Let's just say that's the three. And then, you know, people can vote to see which, uh, to, you know, to, they can vote to see which game or which mode that they'd want to play. With Overwatch, it's just kind of decided randomly, and I'm not really a huge fan of that. But aside from those things, I can't complain any, I can't complain too much about Overwatch, because it's, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. And even the way how it handles the uh, microtransactions is really well implemented. It's just cosmetic stuff. That's it. Yeah. And I like that. No. Right. Well, uh, so, uh, speaking of, uh, Ryan's pick and, uh, Overwatch, I, uh, I played both an RPG this year and a first person shooter this year. 
Uh, both of these games are technically not new, but I did play them uh, this year. Um, the first was Final Fantasy V. I played it. I played the Game Boy Advance version because I don't know. I have I have a connection to the GBA because I grew up with it. So you know, I like. But even even so, I think the the porting job. I believe the Starfy developer Tos handled the porting job for uh, Final Fantasy V and the Game Boy Advance, and they did a terrific job, in my opinion. And uh, and from what I from what I've heard, apparently they've balanced the grinding a little more for that version, and the translations a lot better than the PlayStation version, which was apparently pretty half-assed. So the PlayStation version of a lot of the Super Nintendo Final Fantasies are not that good because like there are loading screens within every single like you there, you get a random encounter loading screen, you get to fight the the monster. Then there's another loading screen to load you back to the world, and it's just I, I tried playing the PS1 version of Final Fantasy VI, and it's not good, at all. All right, I gotta I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind then. But, Quick side uh, tangent. I played I played Final Fantasy V. It was just like you know I couldn't really get into, like I got really far in Final Fantasy IV, but then I got to the moon and the the encounters just got too hard, and then I gave up. Uh, because there's only so much grinding I can take before I get bored and want to go play something a little more instantly gratifying, if you will. Um, but and part of it was I was playing the DS version, which is apparently a, a lot harder. Yes. So I'm sure that that factored into it. But I liked Final Fantasy IV up until that point. Um, I think I've I tried Final Fantasy VII, but I couldn't. At, once I left Midgard, the game just got so boring that I couldn't even finish the first disc because it was just a standard JRPG and <laughs> all, all you're doing is following <laughs> like at that point it feels like that at that at that point in the game that's what the game feels like is a standard RPG up until up when you were still in Midgar it was interesting like uh like that the uh, like the scene and that is exactly how I feel about that too it's See, funny I, I I'm kind of the opposite like I, I I think the game got a lot more interesting once when I left Midgar and I thought the whole thing with Midgar is cool was just, like I, I would like play for an hour put it down but then once when I left Midgar I would play for like three hours non-stop like, I mean I just, I thought it just it just so felt like any other Final Fantasy game at that point whereas before I, it felt like oh this is really interesting it's kind of a sort of a steampunk thing there's this evil corporation that's the villain whereas in most of the games it's usually like some kind of evil empire that you're trying to take down or some kind of mystical villain and i guess that's what sephiroth is but i didn't play long enough to really understand what his motivation was and i mean i guess there was still rufus after you left midgar but again like i think i got past the gold saucer uh under i got to this part where barrett found some old guy he knew and then I dropped the game because I was just so bored. Because it was just the same old battle system and the same old classes. The point is, I was bored with all those other games, and I could never. The only one I've other one I've beaten is Final Fantasy 13, and that's only because I had an ex-girlfriend who basically made me play it. I mean, she didn't make me play it, but I played it to make her happy. If you, that makes any sense. The and things you do for love. Yeah, uh, but. Final Fantasy V is just like I'm, I I kept reading good things about it on the internet. I read about the job system that sounded really interesting, so I I picked it up on GBA, um, and I played it. At first, it it is 
I would agree that the story is very standard because it's literally just the crystals are shattering. Go save the crystals. But that's only the first third of the game. Once you finish that part, then the the real true villain comes along, and uh, then it gets a little more interesting. And then uh, you go up and fight the villain, and then it turns out that's only the, the second third of the game. And then the final third of the game is where it gets really good in terms of plot. It turns out that this world you've been in that seemed really kind of uh, barren spoilers, and kind of not spoilers, that interesting uh, uh, has a huge history to it. Okay. There's like an entire mythology to this world and there's this entire alternate thing you had no idea about that's coming and in order to stop it you have to basically um uncover the it's it's basically a MacGuffin hunt and kind of the third third the final third of the game but it it feels like it's building up to something really astounding and it does the final dungeon is so creative and um so, yeah, I think I disagree with people who say that the plot's not all that inspired, because it isn't at first, and that definitely it should have maybe made a stronger impression at first, but I was enjoying the characters enough to keep going, I guess, uh, because unlike Final Fantasy 1, where the characters are don't talk at all, Final Fantasy 5 characters do have, the main cast anyway, do have identifiable personalities. It's enough to keep the story going. But what really sold the game for me was the job system, which is kind of a lot like what um, Ryan was describing. And I picked up another game on my phone recently called Final Fantasy Dimensions because I wanted more job system Final Fantasy. Basically, um, uh, whenever you encounter a crystal, you get jobs, which are classes, basically. Sorry to interrupt you, but I've got to go. Oh, it's already been 20 minutes. Night. Yeah. Oh, guess, thank you for um, joining us, Hayox. Yeah, alright. Take care. I'll send the audio your way. Remember, Happy folks. New Happy Year's New Year. Hayox. We're made to suffer. 2016 is just the beginning of a terrible life and existence. Take care. <laughs> Boy! But, in terms of the job system, um, I mean, like, you got black mages, you got white mages, thief, monk, uh, warrior. And then you've got like a freelancer, which is like you have no jobs. And uh, when you have a job equipped, you can use any magic spell or uh, special move that you've unlocked for that job at any time. And as as, as long as you have that job equipped, uh, you're gaining ability points to up upgrade that job. And uh, essentially, as you do that, um, you level up the, the ability that comes along with that job, the skill that comes along with that. So like if you're using Black Mage, right, and you level up the job level, um, you could get certain stat buffs that you can equip, or you could uh, get Black Magic up to level 2. So no matter what job you have equipped, uh, you get a second skill slot, and you can equip uh, Black Magic to that. So you could be a ninja with Black Magic, and uh, um, I had the clever idea of taking a monk and uh, making it a berserker so basically oh, had this wow yeah so I had like a berserker but I had the uh, fist skill equipped where he could beat things up with his fists and do a lot of damage as a berserker and so I had like this physical fighter that was always you know there and could tank a lot of hits so like you can get really creative with how you want to how you want to make your classes I had like a ninja that could double equip uh, so I had this ninja that had these two weapons that you can use twice in a row. So she was she was basically attacking four times in one turn. 
and she could do black magic on top of that. You can get really creative with what you want to do here. And the bosses are great, uh, the music's great. I, like I said, the plot gets really good in the final third of the game. And it was just um, a real great time. And it, and it taught me that part of the reason why I was maybe not enjoying traditional JRPGs was just that I wasn't playing the right ones. Because when you play Final Fantasy VI, it's it just the battling just feels so basic to me. There's no intricacy to it, and what intricacy there is isn't very intuitive. When I when I have the job system, it adds just that extra layer. So when you're leveling up, you're not just leveling up stats. You're upgrading your jobs too, and you're upgrading your customization too. So it just makes things feel like less of a waste of time than it usually feels like for other games. So I, I like really enjoyed I Final Fantasy V. Played much of this, but. Have you ever played Bravely Default? I was just about to say that, yeah. Yeah, people keep telling like me about Bravely Default, and I might have to play it at some point. Yeah, but. well, hey, God, just to God take a second. I mean, Bravely Default's a fine game and everything like that, don't get me wrong, but it gets greedy after 30 hours. The whole point of Bravely Default is to save the four crystals or to, you know, put light back in the four crystals, and, you know, you go ahead and do that. That's all well and good and everything, but then, but then, you gotta do it again and then you got to do it again and again and again and again and again and again you have to constantly keep going back to the same places lighting up the four uh, elemental crystals and yeah there's plot for it you know there's a reason for the plot and uh, is it really worth it but you know what no it's not worth it because it's padding and it's bad and it's dumb and I don't like it the game was so fucking good up to that point and once when it got to that point it tanked it tanked so hard for me and you know people still like it that's completely fine i'm just saying i did not like how it just blatantly padded itself out for like an extra 20 hours or so maybe 10 if you're lucky so i hear that bravely second which is a game that also released this year in america if i remember correctly i hear that it doesn't do that so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick it up eventually. I think I actually got it for Christmas from a distant relative, so or at least that's what I heard. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. I'll let you know how it is, Michael, because you like that kind of job system. I hear that the job system in in the first Bravely Default is very similar to the, to the one in Bravely Second. So I will let you know as soon as I play it. All right. But just don't don't. I mean, unless you want to play with the first 30 hours of Bravely Default, I just you know after you get to 30 hours, just you know put it down. Yep. Alright, so the, the first person shooter I played, like like I said, it's not a new game. And I have actually played it before, but the version of the game has new content in it. It's a Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary World Tour. I created a Steam just to play this game, uh, so I wouldn't have to wait till I got home to play it on a console. And it's, it's the same Duke Nukem 3D you know and love, except it's got uh, some extra balls and whistles to optimize it for new hardware, and they added a brand new fifth episode with eight new levels in it that takes place all around the world. <sighs> Excuse me. Um, and um, I, I, like I said, I'd played Duke Nukem 3D before. I remember loving it. I remember it, it, I think at this point it's my favorite first person shooter because first of all, it's it's not designed for multiplayer, so that helps. And second of all, it has, it has actual level design in it. Unlike 
Unlike Halo, where you just kind of go down hallways and kill things, in Duke Nukem 3D, you actually have to explore and find your way around and basically get to the exit. And you actually have a life bar, so you can't just tank your way through things and let the auto-regen, you know, sort of make up for it. You have to actually use cover. I mean, the cover mechanics aren't very good, but you have to try to dodge enemy fire. Uh, you have to try to kill your enemies before they kill you. You have to keep your health up, health up by finding health upgrades. You have to keep, you have like an impressive arsenal of weapons. Like, I think there are like 15 different guns you can play with all at the same time. Uh, so you can, you aren't just equipping like two weapons and that's it. Uh, you, you have like a pistol, a shotgun, a, a machine gun, um, you have a rocket launcher, you have a uh, freeze thrower which allows you to freeze enemies, you've got um, pipe bombs you can use to blow shit up with. You've got all these different weapons to play with and they're all useful in different situations and it kind of reminds me of Ratchet and Clank in kind of that way but it's obviously different in many ways and the yeah I mean like it kind of it's kind of like rough starting out because like I I don't care what anyone says, I will not play a first-person shooter with the keyboard ever. So I had I had to play, but thankfully, Duke Nukem 3D 20th Anniversary does include support for controllers, and it's it's not too bad, but I did have to get the sensitivity the way I wanted it, and that did take a while. Um, but I did eventually get used to it, and uh, but that did make like the first couple episodes a little slow going, because they kind of had to relearn this control scheme. Uh, that I hadn't really been using. I don't really use all that frequently, but once I did get into it by like the third episode onwards, the game just got better and better and better and better. And the fifth episode is really good. It feels like lost levels from the original game because like they brought back some of the, the people who worked on the original Duke Nukem 3D to design new levels and create new music for this new episode. And it feels like it. It feels like a lost, uh, feels like a lost level pack or something. So, yeah, Duke Nukem 3D, 20th Anniversary World Tour. Really enjoyed it. One of my favorite games of this year, and uh, I would recommend it. I've heard it's not as good as the Megaton Edition, apparently, but I've never played the Megaton Edition, so I don't know what the differences are. Um, but all I know is the game I played was really polished and played really well, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah. I can actually, real quick bridge into both a recommendation and one of my favorite games uh is doom mm. um do you have a ps4 michael uh well i just my sister just got one so um, i can i can play on it you're talking about the new game right yeah the new one not the old one uh the new doom i think based on the reasons you've given for why you like uh Duke Nukem, i think you would really enjoy doom Unless what? you're squeamish. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, can you turn off the gore? Cause I'm yeah. not sure if you can. Maybe. I think you can. Because, like, usually if, if I have the option, I will turn down the gore as low as possible. Yeah, it's it's pretty bloody and pretty, pr pretty, pretty gory. Because like, that, that, that to again, me doesn't that's, really... That's a lot of the appeal of the game, from what I understand. Well... Does it, I mean, it's not these, really the does it have kind of like the same level design though, where like it's level based and you find your yeah, way around? Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that, um, one, there's not even like a reload button, you just have a set ammo count. Um, Excellent. Yeah, there's a, 
right now, like I haven't beaten the game all the way, so maybe it like drops down, but I haven't heard that from anyone, so probably not. Um, right now I have like, I think like eight weapons to choose from all at once. Um, all right. And there are a lot of secrets to find that you can use to like upgrade your health or your ammo count or like your shields, because you can also have shields. Yeah, that sounds a lot like uh, what I've been playing. There are a bunch of secret areas that you could totally miss if you don't explore. Yeah, uh, I played a little bit of the original Doom too, because I was just like, I had just finished uh, Duke Nukem. I was just like, I want more of this kind of classic FPS stuff. And so I bought uh, Doom, Ultimate Doom on Steam. And that's when I found out that there's no controller support. And I was just like, well, so I downloaded a source port that included that. So I just wasted $5 for no reason. <laughs> As, like I said, I'll be damned if I play a first-person shooter with a keyboard. That is just so alien to me. Don't let the PC Master Race The original Doom, though, actually is probably perfect for a controller because you only have to move the camera, like, right and left. Yeah. So I could deal with that on a controller, but... Like I said, the source port I found did support it, and once I once I figured out how to get everything mapped properly, it it felt just like uh, I got it just like Duke Nukem 3D, and it just flowed. But yeah, it's, it's I mean, a little from different. What you said the Doom 2016, I think you would really enjoy it if you can get past the gore. Yeah, I don't think All it's right. like too. I mean, okay, the problem is like it's a bunch of demons, right? So like. It's kind of hard to get around. There was even gore in the original, but like obviously yeah. the graphics yeah, weren't up to par, so like it's not like it's not like realistic gore and stuff. But like, I Indeed. I don't know if there's an option to turn it off. Maybe there is. Um, yeah, but you would like the level design and the the shooting, like the yeah. mechanics of it. I mean, people have been telling me to go check out Doom, but you know, I had just I just haven't had anything to play it on because my my little crap top could barely run duke nukem 3d like i the the new version of duke nukem 3d actually adds a uh, new 3d true 3d mode because in the original game it was kind of like an orthogonal 3d where if you looked up and down the camera wouldn't like the geometry wouldn't shift to reflect that you're looking up and down it would literally be like if you were floating up and downwards hmm. It's it was it's kind of weird to describe, but in the new version that they just released, they made it so it's actual 3D. If you look upwards, the geometry will change to reflect you looking up, like in any like in most 3D games. But for whatever reason, the game doesn't run as well in that mode, and I could so I had to turn that off just to get the game to run at a smooth 60 on my little laptop. So there's no way I'm going to be able to run Doom on that, but. Yeah, but now that I have access to a PS4, I can probably check it out because it sounds good. But I, I think my top favorite game of this year uh, was Kirby Planet Robobot for the Nintendo 3DS. I really still need to buy that. I'm probably going to buy that to, soon. And, you know, it's really annoying because I bought my brother that game because I'm just like, Eric, you'd love this. Go check it out. And plus he, uh, I don't know, he just kind of needed a gift at the time if... Uh, for reasons I, I will not disclose here. Uh, he, he still hasn't played it, and, you know, it's kind of a, I guess, you know, poo-poo uh, on him or whatever, because he's really missing out. Because Kirby Plant Robot, in my opinion, is the best Kirby game ever. It has 
all the polish of the, of previous games like uh, Return to Dreamland, Superstar Ultra, and Triple Deluxe, but what it has is an extra dose of creativity that really makes all the difference. Like, the soundtrack is astounding. Like, I think it was absolutely brilliant to make the final boss theme kind of a remix of the title screen theme. And I think that uh, Triple Deluxe did that too, but... You know, it's just, the final boss itself is just like, oh my gosh, I did not expect this, and what a pleasant surprise that was. And it, and it feels earned, because they foreshadow it. Um, but basically the concept is, um, Planet Pop Star is invaded by these aliens, and uh, you don't, at first, you don't know who they are or what they look like, you don't know what they want, but they sort of set up shop, they destroy everything, and they turn it into sort of like their own little place. And, uh... You know, King Dedede and Meta Knight get axed off at the beginning, supposedly. And Kirby wakes up and he realizes, oh no, the planet's overrun, so I've got to go save things. And so what that means is, um, you know, it kind of has the same sort of uh, level themes you're kind of used to. Like, there's a grassy plains area and a desert area. But everything is techno-themed. Everything's got machinery and industrial stuff sort of going on at the same time. So it gives the game a unique art direction. Um, all the familiar enemies that you know and love have been given like little robot parts that are on them. Like you have the little Waddle Dees and they've got like little scopes attached to their head. And uh, But what really makes all the difference is um, ever since Return to Dreamland they've had like a sort of like a secondary gimmick. In uh, Return to Dreamland it was super copy abilities. In Triple Deluxe it was the Hypernova. But in Planet Robobot they have the um, Robobot armor. And basically what that is, is when Kirby gets into the ro into a Robobot armor, he can, he ba it's basically kind of like the ride armor from Mega Man X, it controls a lot like that actually. Uh, but when you're in the Robobot armor, you can still use copy abilities. I mean, you don't, you don't get to use as many and they aren't as um, intricate as they are for normal Kirby, but it's really interesting how they were able to take these abilities we're all familiar with and do something really new with it. Like, you know, the mic ability, Introduced in Kirby's Adventure, it, it's basically a three-time screen nuke you can use. But in Plant Robobot, uh, mic mode for the Robobot armor allows him to shoot out these sound waves, and it's really creative. And, you know, the story, um, one of the problems with Triple Deluxe is they kind of backloaded all the story towards the end. So, like, for most of the game, like, you don't really know what you're doing and why. Um, but in Planet Robobot, they pace it out perfectly, where you get just enough information as you go along uh, to keep you interested in what's going to happen next, but uh, they don't reveal everything right away. They leave it a little bit mysterious. So, and uh, all the extra modes were great, like they brought back Meta Nightmare, and it's, and it's fantastic. Um, they, this, the new extra mini-games they brought along were pretty good as well, probably the best ones they've ever had for the series. It just, everything about Planet Robobot just works really well. And it, you know, I think that's probably my favorite game of the year. Like, I couldn't put it down. It, it made me go on a Kirby binge. So, yeah. Is go it check better out than it. Kirby's Epic Yarn? Well, I liked Kirby's Epic Yarn for different reasons, but. I still yes. played it. I, I need more Kirby in my life because I've not played as much Kirby as I need to. Well, go play Triple Deluxe and go play Planet Robobot. And if you can afford it, I would recommend Return to Dreamland as well. But that game's kind of expensive now. I'm interested in the game the one, right? to see if it can, yeah. like, top... Because right now, I think the most creative game for me in the series is Epic Yarn. 
mostly down to its visual style, not necessarily yeah. gameplay wise. But um, I'm I'm really interested in Robobot because I'm a really big Kirby fan. It's it might be a surprise because I've only done like one video on Kirby. It was my first one, but I've played I think almost every game in the series. So I I don't really know why I didn't buy Robobot. I think I just uh, didn't have the money at the time. Yes. Uh, before, I forget, before I forget, because now that you brought up Kirby's Epic Yarn, I forget. Uh, Shimigami Tensei X Fire Emblem came out this year, right? Yeah, Tokyo Mirage. And so Sessions. did Yoshi's Woolly World, right? No, Yoshi's Woolly World Yoshi's was last Woolly year. Yoshi's Woolly World was last year. Was yeah. it last year? Okay. Okay, I thought I was going crazy. Did we? Did anyone here play Shimigami Tensei X Fire Emblem? Like, is it any good? Or I didn't play it. I didn't. I mean, I, Although I've heard I, from a lot of people that it's actually a surprisingly good game. Just weird, but I guess it is. So I kind of want to try it, but at the same time, there's just something about it that just it's not compelling to me. Is it the Animu? No, I love Animu. <laughs> I think it might be the J-pop. I mean, I wouldn't blame you. I mean, uh, it's like it seems. Clement was on Twitter, and it's one of his favorite games of the year. Hmm. Um, it, just, it just seems a bit too much on the J-pop side for me, and like how it's like a musical kind of. Thing. I've just heard from people that it's mechanically it's really cool. So, hmm. okay. If that if that holds any weight, maybe it is good. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I I might get around to it because my sister was uh, she wanted to play that. I mean, game. Persona will always be my baby. I don't really care about the rest of the series, but. Waiting for that Persona 5. I wish it came out this year. But it did, Dan, in it did in Japan. Yeah. Dude. I need to get into Persona 2. I have uh, Persona 3 on the PSP, but I still have not gotten around to playing it. And I really need to, because it looks fun. I've only played 3 and 4, but they're really good. I want 5 right now. I also want Kingdom Hearts 2.8 and 3. But, you know. Nobody even knows Fantasy when 3 going to come out. I want Final Fantasy 7 Remake to come out. I want Dragon Quest VIII Remake to come out. I want Breath of the Wild to come out. I want Sonic Boy, I care about Kingdom Hearts 3 Mania. more than any of those. Fuck that. I've been waiting years for 3. I have been waiting years for 3. I mean, I, I have 2. I have 2, to be fair. But, I mean, you know, Mike was saying about how he played through and beat Final Fantasy V earlier this year and fell in love with it. I played through and I beat Final Fantasy VII this you know for the first time this year and i fell in love with it and i think it's amazing how a game where it has like a bunch of like it, aesthetically it's not aged well at all but yeah it's presentation and it's music and the way how it presented a lot of the story elements still made me cry like a goddamn baby like it still had me that invested so there's something in that game that clicks with me on an emotional level and i fell in love with it and now I'm like super excited to see what they're going to do with the remake. Now that I actually have Final Fantasy VII under my belt, like I am, I am so excited to see what they can possibly do. I love, I love how they're doing the more, uh, the more uh, fast-paced action, like in uh, Final Fantasy and King or Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts and all that stuff. I like that. But I'm more interested in how they're going to do the story elements. Like I'm really excited for that. So it's like Kingdom Hearts III. I'm really scared the for that actually because. One of the things that surprised me about Final Fantasy VII, the reason I like the opening so much, is that for some reason, they've painted Cloud in every game after that as, like, 
this he's in, like they think oh, he's like edgy. a edgy like he doesn't show emotion kind of character like lightning sort of mm -hmm. but i played final fantasy 7 in the opening he actually like he has personality and i'm like what the fuck like he's more of a sarcastic asshole than an emotionless yeah like he actually has personality and that surprised me i'm like why have they ruined his character over the years i don't i, mean, I don't that's know just what people take away from it but but i'm pretty sure they're going to keep a lot of, like, what made Final Fantasy VII worked in the original game. Can like, they do the cross-dress scene, though? Can they do it? God, I want them to do that! I want that! I want that so bad! <laughs> I want that so bad! Everything about that scene was hilarious. Oh just my gosh, having, like, if they do that, it's going to be my favorite game ever. Just having, like, Eris, <laughs> Tifa, and Cloud, like, threaten whoever it was, the, the, who's, what's his name? Don Cornello. Um, Don Cornello? Yeah, that scene was hilarious to me. I know. You know, that's another thing. Eris is so fucking awesome. She is probably like... Yeah, that's another character I feel like they, they sort of ruined. Because in, in 7, she's like, she's really snarky. Yeah! And like, what the fuck? Like, every other version of her that I've seen is like really calm and like... Angelic and pure. But she threatens to rip off a guy's balls! Yeah, like, Come on! That is that's so what intrigued lovely. me so much about Seven until I got out of Midgard and got so fucking bored with the game. So I mean, I don't uh, know. I I don't know. I still think that the game got a lot more interesting after you left Midgard. That's just me. Cause like then, that's when you start. Does it get interesting about, like, right away though? Well, well, that depends. That depends. Like when you got to like the part where you're at, I was interested in what because like you're at like Barrett's arc right now, and I was interested in Barrett's story, like how. You know, he got situated with Marlene and everything like that, and you learn about that. So I was interested in that, though not everyone else is going to be interested in that. I think where I stopped was I got to this cave, and there was some kind of boss in it that was, like, way too hard. And it basically meant that I would have to grind to proceed. And I was just like, fuck this. Well, to be fair, I never had a grind in Final Fantasy VII. Like, I well, just had to, like, part of the problem is that one thing that I really liked about uh, five is you have four characters for the whole game. You only have four characters, mm. so that means that you never have to switch people in and out just to keep them leveled up. And well, in seven, you have to do that if you want to use them. But to be fair, on rare occasions, you know, for for the most part, I will say this: for the most part can have a set team and stick with that team till the very end of the game and there are going to be points where um, where a character will be forced into your party or a character that you might be using might be forced out of your party but I didn't find that happening too frequently that was just me though because like there's a part towards the end of the first disc where Eris is forced into your party for like the entire duration of the end of the first disc and then she leaves uh, and it wasn't that much of a problem to me because I, I was using Eris. So for those who don't use Eris, I can see that being a problem. But I, I never I never struggled, if that makes any sense. Like, there's even a part in the second disc, towards the end of the second disc, where, spoiler, I guess, you, you lose Cloud for a while. So, you know, then you have to start, you have to start using other members. But again, I just, I, I never struggled with it. I thought it was fine. Right. That's just me. 
I, 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 I mean, I don't want to sound like an ass, but I mean, I, I play a bit more RPGs than you do, and I think that's safe to say because you're more of like a platformer kind of guy, from what I've noticed. Yeah, I'm more of an action game kind of guy, yeah. I guess. Because yeah. I don't... Because I guess it's like what you were saying. The reason why Final Fantasy V clicked with me, I think, was because of the job system. If that wasn't there, it would have just been another boring standard RPG. And when I was playing 7, it just, it was the same old fighting mechanics as in Final Fantasy 4. And it just felt like something I had seen already. Like, you have this updated presentation and this very new kind of story, but the mechanics haven't been updated along with it. it just feels like this. Yeah, but that's only interesting for 5 seconds, you know? You need something a little more... Like, it feels too basic is what it feels like. I don't feel like there's any strategy. Well, then you have to... There is, yeah. but it's not something that's... It's either not intuitive, like the game doesn't really give you the tools to understand it, or it's like... Like, for the most part, you can get away with just spamming fire on everything and just moving along. Now, there are definitely points where you can't go. Well, for, from what I had played, for the yeah. most part, that was the case. Yeah, you're, you're, you're still pretty early on. So. But no, I, I could understand why, why, that can not, why that can leave a bad impression on you. See, that's, the, yeah, that's why I prefer games like uh, I play Kingdom Hearts, because you have to avoid their attacks, right? Yeah. So, like, it's an like action you're game. actively involved. Because it's like, and there's I mean, only so much... You, all you, you do know, is spam X, and I'm like, eh, there's a bit more to it than that. You know? Yeah, that, you know, like there's. I think it's part of the reason why Pokemon's got so boring for me is because there's all much. Uh, there's only so much sitting and looking at menus and waiting for things to happen that you can take, or at least for yeah. me because I have ADHD. I need my instant gratification. I'm also a filthy millennial, so that doesn't help things. But um, millennials. Yeah, I'm For a filthy millennial, RPGs. and. Uh, so when I'm when I'm sitting down looking at menus, you know, you've either got to give me some real intuitive strategy to keep me going, or uh, you got to give me some something more instantaneous where I'm in the moment, because otherwise I'm gonna get bored. Like Paper Mario for me works because you've got the badges and you could do so many things with them, and the enemies, depending where they have spikes or they're flying or they have high defense, you got to change your. <laughs> party member or your attack strategy to get around that. With Final Fantasy, I can just spam fire on everything. I hear you. I mean, I, I can't really argue, because, I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, it's fun to experiment. Yeah. I mean, that's just the kind of guy that I am. Well, it's just, like, I, I, I don't I, know I like... what to experiment with, because, like, you know, with, with 5, because I had all these classes to work with, and because, um... I don't know, I guess I learned what Libra did, so I could figure out what weaknesses people had, and that kind of made things a little more interesting, I guess. You know, it just, five, just having that job system there and being able to upgrade jobs and skills and all that stuff just made battling feel like so much more worth my time than it would be otherwise. So that that was my, that's my two cents. Uh, well, we got on a pretty big side tangent. Do we have anything else to say about 2016? Well, uh, I have something a little sappy to say, I guess. It's, oh you know, like, like we, like we said, this, this is our first, this is our first year together as a podcast. And 
we we have grown in so many ways and we have become such a tight little group of friends in such a short period of time and i just like to thank all you lovely folks for being a part of this podcast and for being a part of my life this it, ha- it has say the same thing yeah. I was gonna say the, I was gonna say the same exact thing. You know, 2016, without getting too into it, it's been a rough year for a lot of us. And even though I did, I did delete my Twitter uh, for you know personal reasons. You know, I I have I have to say, you know, having you guys like you know members of the podcast, having people on Skype and on Discord and the friends that I made on Twitter and YouTube along the way. You know, I've met some incredible people, and. You guys have, you really helped me out, because I mean I, I've been at a low point this year, a pretty low point, and you guys, even if you don't know it, each and every single one of you guys helped me out. Like you guys pulled me out of this, this you know, this dark hole that I've been in for a while, and it means a lot. And I really am lucky to have you guys, and I'm I'm, I'm really happy to say that you guys are some of the best friends I've ever made. Period. So, thank you. You guys. I don't have anything intelligent to say, so I'll just say I agree. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that if Hadox were here, he'd say something about uh, how he hates the word fan. And how he loves Adolf Hitler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yes, it's it has been great getting to know you fellows. It's been great having this podcast. Like, it, I do admittedly wish we could upload more often, but, you know, it, it's life. You can only do so much about that. Uh, but yeah, it's been fun. Uh, hopefully we can keep this going and hopefully we'll only go upwards from here. Hell yeah. You know, yeah, but you know that it all depends. We'll, we'll try our best folks. And, uh, we really do need to start answering our, you know, really first cast. Yeah. 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 I was going to say that. I forgot about that. We we have this whole hashtag and people aren't using it because we never answer it. So. We, we we should probably do something with that, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe we oh. should have a question of the day or something like that at the end of every session. All right, that could that could be fun. Right. Hopefully, our Eric's been doing that ironically on the, on, the, on the show for a while, but yeah. Well, uh, anyways, thank you all very much for joining us for episode nineteen of Unversed Cast. I'm Michael. Oh, I'm King K. Adox isn't here. He screws it up. Screws I'm up the order. And I'm Ryan. Yep. There, I said, I said it for him. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time for another episode of the uh, 3D Zelda retrospective. Uh, where we'll I tell you. Which will hopefully go better than our Sonic one. <laughs> <laughs> where, where I tell you why Wind Waker is overrated. But until then, uh, we are the Inverse Cast, and we will see you guys next time. See you next year! Ooh.